Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Who do you turn to for advice? Sometimes your best friend's brother's cousin's aunt just isn't good enough. What then? Ask Sarah. In the same tradition of Dear Abby, Sarah is a gently blunt, practical, and wise advisor who brings with her a wealth of personal and professional knowledge coupled with gentle humor. Sarah offers inspiration and advice to help you live more fully and powerfully in your own life. Tune in every day to connect with the information and ideas you need to hear. Well, hello and welcome to the inaugural um, episode of Sarah Says. I couldn't be more delighted to be here and couldn't be more delighted that you've tuned in to listen. Today's topic, of course, is something near and dear to my heart, and I'm sure it is to yours as well. We're going to be talking about healthy sexuality. What is it? How do we find it? Uh, how are we defining it? And what are the things that are keeping us from being able to embrace a healthy view of sexuality? I want to just start by framing this topic that you know, we struggle, and I think society certainly defines what we consider to be normal, but that's a complicated issue, and I think that normal and healthy may or may not necessarily refer to the same thing, but we have to have a methodology and a process, and I think that we need to begin to change our thinking about what is healthy sexuality and how do we get to there from here. And so certainly, uh, while I am enamored with the topic, I'm not necessarily the expert on it, uh, although I am working on that, of course. But today's uh, guest is the expert. Her name is Beth Boatman, and she has been on the show several times, and I consider her a wise advisor in all things relative to healthy sexuality. And she doesn't come to the table empty-handed. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's a certified sexuality educator. And she is a board-certified sexologist. She has her master's in human sexuality education and uh, an MS in marriage and family therapy and could not be more proud to say that she is also working on her doctorate. And so she has agreed to join us for this and several other shows to talk about this topic and some other things. And so if you would, please join me as we welcome Beth Boatman to the show. Beth, I am so delighted to have you, and it is so hard not to call you Dr. Beth. I just want you to know you've got to hurry up and get that doctorate. (laughs) Well, I am working on it. Trust me. I am excited for it to be over with. And thank you so much for having me as well. It's always a pleasure. Well, it is just such a pleasure. So let's jump right in. I'd love for you to, uh, you know, I use the word normal, and I think that defining what's normal, and just for purposes uh, for the listeners, I just want to say we're talking about uh, sexuality in terms of, of practice and beliefs, and, and it's a complicated issue, and uh, we want to really help you get from there to here. So uh, with the exclusion of uh, children, dead people, and animals, we really want to embrace the concept that normal is what works for each person. So uh, Beth, help the listener understand how are we going to you know, find this normal when we live in a society where there's all this comparing and media and you know, how do we find normal? 
Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think um, that's something that I come across a lot, even in the clients that I see or their learners, um, if I'm teaching a class, is people always want to know, they'll tell me something and say, well, is this normal? Um, And, you know, when we look at normal, it really is a social construct. So it's something created by the society that we're in um, and the time that we're in as well. So thinking and the people that we're around and the family and our religion, all of those things kind of have an integral part in what we define as normal. And something that's happened over the last uh, 50 years or so is the concept of media as well. So we have this um, huge output of what does a normal body look like? And I say normal, it's hey, a quote, right? Uh-huh. I, I think your headset's giving you some trouble. You're breaking up a bit. Okay. Is that better? It is, uh, it is better, definitely. So if you could repeat maybe the last couple sentences on that. Sure. I mean, thinking about um, the media and we have – are these outputs of what does a normal body look like and what does a normal relationship look like? And I think a lot of people compare themselves to that. So what's important is what is your normal? And this is even something that um, you see in like a medical practice. You know, when you do a breast self exam, what is your normal breast feel? What does it look like? And then if a change happens, that's when it's a problem. So what is your normal in sexual health? Um, and I think that we find that first by having a good relationship um, with ourselves and with our own body. You know, and when we're growing up, you know, this is the conundrum here. And as a parent, I look back as I was raising my kids, we tend to raise our children in terms of the don'ts relative to sexuality. Don't touch yourself. Don't do that in public. Don't. Uh, it's a lot of don'ts. And so when you talk about, you know, we're comparing ourselves to what's normal, and I think this is all wrapped up in the same thing. We're talking about shame and guilt. We're not even just talking about some of the religious shame and guilt that can be uh, put on us from, and I think some of it is inadvertent. I don't think our parents are trying to screw us up, although nobody can mess you up like your parents can, but, (laughs) you know. It's difficult to get to know our bodies when we're taught from such a very young age not to touch ourselves, not to please ourselves. I mean, because a three-year-old is feeling themselves because it feels good, but we're taught from that young age not to. So can you – let's have that conversation about as we talk about what's normal and healthy, overcoming or learning to let go of that shame and guilt because we've been raised not to, you know, don't do that. Yeah, and I think you're right, Sarah. So, you know, one of the things that you see is all these don'ts. Don't do that. That's bad. That's dirty. But one of the things that isn't happening is what you should be doing. So talking, you know, talking to kids about, because it's it's normal. It's developmentally normal for young children to touch their genitals or even masturbate. Um, and we see it as something that's that's abnormal, which that's not true at all. But we don't talk about, we don't have these role models of what is healthy sexuality. We're just told what not to do, not what to do. Nobody teaches you how to have healthy sex. Um, and so I think a part, you know, and looking overall at that, the greatest change that could be had is, is being able to um, talk about your story 
and kind of look at it from a different lens and then begin to teach younger generations that your body is this beautiful, healthy, wonderful thing. So as a, I mean, you know, 50, 40 year old women and men who might be listening, you know, from a, from a, a definition of sexuality and, and healthiness, we're talking about all sorts of uh, the kaleidoscope here. We're talking about our attitudes about sex, our desires about sex, the behaviors mm-hmm. that we engage in, you know, uh, even the, the big topic is, you know, uh, what our sexual identification and function. I mean, I think here's another thing that we don't talk about. And certainly you and I have had these conversations before you know, the difference in performance as we age and, um, you know, frequency even. So as, you know, someone's listening to the show and they're thinking, well, how the hell am I going to start figuring out what's healthy for me? Where do you recommend somebody start? I mean, would you say getting to know your own body and what you like and what you don't like is the best place for someone to start to begin to define what's healthy sexuality for them? I do. I think that's a good point. I mean, getting to know your own body is important. Um, One of the things that, um, well, that happens is women typically have a, and, you know, I'm kind of speaking in binary, so this isn't true for everyone, but some women have a very different relationship with their genitals than men do. Um, Men, well, one of it's location, right? You can, a man can look down and, and see his genitals typically, see them and they're there. And for um, someone with a vagina or a vulva, you have to get a mirror and take a look. You know, there's this really interesting um, story. There's a sex educator out of the Northeast. His name is Al Vernacchio. And he tells this story um, about, (laughs) well, I'll just tell you. So he teaches, like, high school students and uh, young adults and whenever he's in his class, he talks about this relationship that you have with your genitals. And he says, well, just pretend, you know, you're at this hotel or at this conference. And you wake up one day and your genitals are just gone. They're gone. And so you walk down to the front desk and you say, you know, I think I've lost something. And the front desk person says, oh, big day for that. Come on back here. We know exactly, exactly what you're talking about. And you walk into the lost and found and it's this big room with all these shelves covered with, all everyone's different genitals. So you have just all of them, <laughs> right? And then Could you, are you, you ask, can you pick out yours? <laughs> right. Can you pick out your own genitals? Wow. Can you do yeah. that? So right? are you saying the propensity for men, men could do it much quicker and easier than women could simply because they're able to see it, but most women have no clue what their genitals look like. Right, and you know, and that's even something that Alvernacchio is is has talked about is that he'll do this exercise in in high school classes, and the boys or young men are like, well, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'd call his name, and he'd come running, right? <laughs> and I know exactly what he looks like, and it's kind of funny at first, and then the young women, of course, some of them can, but some of them are like, well, well, no. I don't really know what it looks like. If I was faced with a bunch, I don't think I'd be able to pick out my own. And then there's this really great conversation about, isn't it interesting? What do you think is happening when there's a part of your body that you can't identify? That's a very central part of who you are and how you have relationships with other people and how you have relationships with yourself. 
You know, interestingly enough, and that is absolutely fascinating, and I probably, even at my age, would still be in the, I think that one's mine, but I'm not sure, category. Right. So, I mean, when we're listening, and again, the show is designed, you know, for anyone who is looking for good advice, but I certainly am skewed to the perspective of women's sensitivities and approaches to healthy sexuality. So, of course, um, one of the things that's critical then is for you to get to know your own body, not just what it looks like, but also for healthy sexuality. Beth, wouldn't you agree? You know, I, I think there's, there's the whole conversation, particularly among, you know, I guess the, the age group I hang out with the 40 to, you know, 55, 60 folks about frequency. And we talk about what's normal in terms of that. And, you know, more of the women my age want sex more than they did when they were younger. And I think it's probably because they're more comfortable, but we get into this discussion about what's normal. And isn't it ironic that if we were younger and we wanted sex more, it's not bad, but when we're older, it's like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, I think that comes up a lot really, and really it is a lot with frequency, like how often should I be having sex? And I get that question, and I think the first thing I ask is, well, what is sex to you? Do you mean, like, do you mean coitus? Do you mean penetration? Or do you mean other things? Right? So how often? Yes. Right. Like skin-to-skin contact, cuddling, spooning. You have all these options. And I think that's one thing that people think normal is, like, heterosexual penetrative sex. And I think that that... It's it's my opinion, and even some of the research shows this. That and I'm I'm speaking potentially um, or straight to the research that I read a lot, which is about illness and sexuality. Mm-hmm. That if that's kind of your definition of what sex is, that heterosexual kind of vanilla penetrative sex, it becomes very very limiting, especially in age, because your body doesn't necessarily do what it used to be able to do, um, and people face this thing where it's the coital imperative. So if they can't have, like, heteronormative sex, then, well, what's the point? We might might as well just not have it at all. And, and isn't that where really we, quite we get hung up with, yeah, we get hung up with what's the normal. And, you know, interestingly enough, again, this is happy hour talk that I engage in with my girlfriends, which you should join us sometime. Uh, we're talking about things like, Sometimes a woman just wants to have an orgasm and she knows how to do it herself. And so for her, the normal sexuality is, you know, once a day or a week or whatever, she's taking care of business herself just to get that itch gone. But then they worried, women are worried, okay, am I a sex fiend? Am I, am I rejecting my husband? And then all the, so so how do women, I mean, and then I suspect guys don't feel bad about, about taking care of their own business here. But women struggle with that. I mean, so so let's have that conversation about in terms of what's normal and healthy. You know, women being able to to take care of the that that business themselves. And I see we've lost Miss Beth, so she's gonna call back in. But when we're having these conversations, I mean one of the things that Beth is very passionate about that I know of is that we have to engage in uh, the the conversation about what's normal and what's healthy from the point of view of 
are we, um, there's Miss Beth, uh, I guess <laughs> the word is maladaptive. I mean, normal in terms of what's healthy. So we don't want to do things that are harming ourselves or harming others. But, um, you know, how, how are you recommending that the listeners work through, let's specifically talk just about um, self-pleasure, masturbation, jacking off, however, you know, a listener identifies that in terms of being healthy sex? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think, well, and, and self-touch, self-exploration is, is in our culture, in Western culture, something that um, has been seen as bad or seen as, you know, you shouldn't be doing it, it's dirty, or, or it's going to ruin your relationship. And, um, and let me just say, it's important that whatever you do, it's within your comfort zone and it stays kind of within the values and beliefs that you have. And I think that you can engage in self-exploration. I think that you should um, without it crossing those boundaries, even doing something like a vulvar self-exam, just like you do a breast self-exam should be part of a monthly routine to make sure that everything's okay and that everything's good. Um, but one of the things that research suggests about um, women and even men who do engage in masturbation is that they know that their their genitals a little bit better, and so if something does change, they're more likely to go get care. Um, so if they have a lump or a cyst or something, they're able to identify it. Um, and also, if you know how to please yourself, then you can more you're more likely to be able to communicate that with a partner. Um, but I do I do understand that there is this there is this balance between um, being able to have your needs met and take care of yourself and also take care of the relationships that you're with you're in. Um, and sometimes if that communication isn't happening, so if you're engaging in masturbation and it feels good and you know how to please yourself, but you don't then talk to your partner about it, that's when it can kind of screw things up. So it's not so much the masturbation, but the lack of communication. Um, talking to your partner and them being able to engage in feedback and brainstorming of what would be fun and what feels good and how can we bring some of these things that I think about on my own into our own intimate relationship. You know, one of the things that I've always found ironic, and I think I had first seen it in a, uh, a meme of all places, but I think it, it falls in line and certainly is appropriate to, to mention here. When we talk about healthy sexuality, I think women in communicating to their, their partner what they want tends to be something that's difficult. But this meme said, uh, I guess it was a grandma who said it to her granddaughter, you put the other person's genitals in your mouth. You know, you should be able to tell them what you want right. and what you like. But when we talk about healthy, and I I'm going to throw the word normal in there, but when we talk about healthy sexuality, women still have a really hard time saying, I want this, I like that, do it this way. Um, and, and again, to what do you attribute that struggle? Oh, well, that's a, that's a big question. <laughs> I mean, you can <laughs> even see that. Yeah, I mean, you can even see that mirrored in, like, the work environment as well. I mean, women are less likely to um, – 
you know, talk about their wants, their needs, and their boundaries, even in the, in the, in the work environment. Um, but I think that there's something that happens. And, you know, when, when you were talking about that, it brought up for me the uh, Madonna whore complex. Um, so have you heard about this, Sarah? Do you know what this is? I have, but I love it when you explain it. So please, please okay. explain it. Well, and it's this, it's this feeling in that basically there's these social constructs and these conceptions about what it means to be a woman and what it means to be a sexual woman. So a woman can either be right a Madonna where she's pure and she's a mother and she's caring and um, warm and or a whore where she's and I, I mean, I hate using those terms, but that's what it's called, where she's very sexual and virulent and she knows exactly what she needs and she asks for what she wants. And not only is this perpetrated by women, but it's perpetrated by men as well. Um, so this idea that you can't be both of these things, you can be one or the other, is kind of filters throughout um, the generations and throughout what we believe is okay. And so... And and I see, I, you know, I empathize with that. It is kind of difficult to be a mom and be a parent and care for your children and go to work and be a working professional and then come home and, you know, have this wonderful, vigorous, almost kinky sex life with your partner. So it is almost two different things. But you're an adult and you should be allowed to have fun in the way that you want, as long as it's consensual and as long as it's healthy. And, you know, the interesting thing, I think, is uh, you mentioned earlier, and I'd love to spend a little time on that um, as we're working to this definition of what's healthy. You know, too many times we really do struggle with that, as you say, the Madonna horror complex, but it's that shame and guilt that comes from, mm-hmm. I think, many areas, but certainly uh, uh, religion being one of them and inadvertent parenting, inadvertent uh, mind uh, screws that we get uh, as, you know, we're being parented. So as we talk about this healthy sexuality thing, I want you to say one more time what you just said about being an adult and being able to pick. I mean, I think that's important that as we talk about healthy sexuality, we are adults. We can say, right. I like this or I like that or I like sex or I like skin or I like whatever. Um, and, and how do we get How do we get there? I mean, I <laughs> okay, that's what you do for a living, and I know that takes like 52 <laughs> sessions, 52 30-minute sessions. So can you put that like in a three-minute summary? <laughs> yeah. But well, there are, there are different pieces to that, right? So like you're talking about, you know, there's influences from social, there's influences from parenting, from your parents, there's influences from religion. One of the things that, I mean, I do in sessions is, is we talk about those influences and we talk about are those things, um, like let's, let's take religion, for example. So, and and specifically, I guess I'm referring to Abrahamic religion. So, because um, I don't know as much about other uh, religions and their sexual culture. But in Abrahamic religions, it can be really difficult for a woman. That's kind of this Madonna whore complex. Um, it can be difficult for a woman to ask for what she wants and um, be a sexual person and enjoy sexual pleasure. But they're not, they're not exclusive, right? You can be 
a religious person and go to church or go to mosque or whatever you want to do and still have this intimate, pleasurable sex life, either with yourself or with another person. And I think that it's really important for people to build that bridge. Um, And in order to build that bridge, it's looking at those different things and looking at all the influences and talking about how do all these different things influence me and is it helpful to me? Is it helpful for me to think about it in this way? And if it's not helpful, is there a way for me to rethink this? Is there a way for me to hold my beliefs and hold my religiosity and also be this person where I deserve to have a healthy relationship and a healthy sex life? And, you know, interestingly enough, you know, one of the things that, you know, I've talked about before is particularly in cultures where you know we're encouraging young men and women to be celibate it's as if we're saying okay keep the switch off turn it off turn it off and then you get married and the switch magically comes on and um it just doesn't work like that we're built to be sexual we're built i think we're built to connect and i think that the the power of skin uh and touch and human touch and um, our ability to be able to connect with another human being at that that deep sexual level is almost like a, a, a that hardwired lizard brain need. And if we don't understand that, then we can't manage those urges. Would you agree with that? I do. I mean, I, I, you know, you're talking about hardwired lizard brain brain thing, and it's it is. It's part of. I mean, part of life is life is defined by being able to reproduce, right? So part of that, but I think that human piece that comes in is the relationships that we have with other people and being close to someone else. And I mean, there's, you know, longitudinal studies like on longevity that say if you're disconnected and you don't have a community of people, you don't have people around you and you live by yourself in a house, you're probably not going to live as long. Even doing something like, getting a dog or getting a cat so you can have a warm body around you to and someone to talk with because, you know, we talk with our pets and because that connection yeah. is really important. and they answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. That connection piece is really important. And, and, and it can be a spiritual experience. You know, mm-hmm. sex can be something that is freeing and spiritual and, that, about that connection, not about disconnection, but about bringing you in a space with someone else. Um, there's a quote by Esther Perel where she says, sex is not something you do, it's a place that you go. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, I've always thought that was beautiful. Well, what I want to do now is um, before we, we wrap up the show, I want to take a break and just say, give a shout out to uh, – uh, some of the folks who have helped make this inaugural show possible. I first want to say uh, a shout out and a thank you to the Exit 98 group who are uh, producers of this show, specifically Marla Watson. I want to give a shout out to Protilius Productions, who provided the uh, background intro music and the uh, outro music that you'll hear here in a bit. And Trish Bassani, who's a voiceover artist out of New York City, who actually was the voice of Sarah Says, uh, that introduction. And then certainly I want to give a thank you to you, Beth, for being my guest today on today's show. And as we wrap it up, I would covet from you 
uh, a couple of things. Uh, share with the guests, just if you were to say step by step, I know we did talk about knowing your body and learning to let go of, you know, some of that inherent shame and guilt, but share with the, the listeners just, you know, two or three things that they can do today to begin to get a healthier um, concept and a, a framework and a mental attitude about uh, what is healthy sexuality. And then also, you do this for a living. You are a guru in this regard. And how can folks connect with you? How can they find out more? I know you have a great website and you have a fabulous practice here in uh, uh, Texas. So uh, if you would do those two things, I would I would be ever grateful. Sure. So I think something that um, people could do today to think about, um, you know, becoming a sexually healthy person is if you're a parent, um, start being that role model for sexual health. You know, when we think about did we have someone that was around us, did we have a mother or a female figure, even a male figure that openly said that they appreciated their body and that they liked their body, Um, often we hear our parents who criticize their own body, which makes us feel a little bit shameful about ours. Um, So, you know, talking to the kids about, to your kids about their bodies and that it's a wonderful thing and not using, you know, slang terms for genitals. I think a lot of sex educators are on this right now. Um, and then doing doing a vulvar self-exam, doing a genital exam. There's a great, uh, you know, step-by-step process you can find online if you go to cancer, um, like, websites, and doing a breast self-exam, doing it slowly and listening to your body and saying, you know, what, do I know this stuff about my body? Do I feel okay with it? Um, and then the next step is that if you have a partner – Start communicating with your partner. Just open up a conversation. Hey, I heard this really cool radio show today, and there were some really cool points on it. I want to talk to you about it. You know, yeah, blame us. I love that. They can blame <laughs> us for this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so a way to get in touch with me, I do um, counseling services and ed- education services. So my counseling services are at Lake Worth Counseling in uh, like the Northwest Fort Worth area. I'm located within a practice with a couple other great uh, mental health professionals um, and people can just contact Lake Worth Counseling. There's also a website. Um, my website is yoursensualhealth.com and you can get information about um, the counseling services and the education services. If you're interested in seeing me doing classes, which I love to teach as well, um, I teach about once or twice a month at the Velvet Box in uh, Fort Worth where we do these awesome community classes that are like lecture style um, almost like college lecture classes on sexual health and connecting. Cool. And your website is uh, yoursensualhealth.com, correct? Yes. Perfect. Well, again, I have to tell you how much I appreciate you. And for those who are listening, you're going to be back. We're going to be talking on March 16th about LGBT parenting and then um, back in May to talk about sex and disability. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to it. Thank you so much, Sarah. Well, it's always a delight to have you, and um, I appreciate you making time today. Of course. Of course. And listeners, uh, can't tell you how much I appreciate you tuning in today for this inaugural show. We appreciate you and your questions, which actually were the prompt for this particular topic. I want to remind you that you can get a hold of Beth by visiting her website, yoursensualhealth.com. 
and uh, feel free to reach out to her. She really is passionate about helping folks um, connect with themselves and their sexuality and to become healthier sexual beings. And I want to remind you that you can contact me. Just go to sarahzink.com, S-A-R-A-H-Z-I-N-K.com, or you can connect with me through Twitter and Facebook at Sarah Z says. And until we get together again, my friends, I want to remind you that you have been zinked. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.